So one day when I was in Tampa, I had just gotten back from a ministry event. It was about midnight. I worked with college students. So we got back usually late night events. I walk into my house and it's pitch black dark. It's midnight. We had young ones. Everyone was asleep. But I, I, I kind of wasn't ready for bed. I wanted that last thing at the end of the night, you know, like something sweet. You know, I got a sweet tooth. I was like, I can't go to bed yet. So I opened the door of the fridge and lo and behold, inside was the most glorious thing I'd ever seen. It was a blueberry pie. Now, blueberry pies to me are mad, like they're fine. But this one, this one generally only came out every Thanksgiving once a year. But for some reason, it was in our fridge that evening because Annie's brother-in-law, the one who makes it, he was staying with us that night. And I saw it, and I'm like, I've got to get a piece of this. I've got to get a bite of this before my kids wake up because we fight over this pie during Thanksgiving. You know how it is. So I take it out, and I slide it onto the counter. I fumble my way through the dark and grab a fork because I don't want to wake anybody up, right? Or know what I'm doing. And I, I'm that guy you all can't stand. I grab the fork and dig in right in the middle of the pie and just take a bite. Oh, it was so gooey, so tangy, yet sweet. It was amazing. And I go, you know what? I need a whole slice. So I end up cutting myself a whole slice, finding a plate, putting it on the plate, and just enjoying it. But then I finished that slice, and I was like, wait a second. We usually have it warm. We need it warm. So I cut another slice. I knew what I was doing. And I, and I walk over very quietly to the microwave, pop, open it up, throw it in, hit 30 seconds, and before it gets to the beeping sound, you know that one second, I open it up real quick so no one will wake up. And when it comes out, I just, oh, I can't, oh wait, it's warm. What does warm pie need? Ice cream, exactly. So I open the freezer and put some ice cream on it and just dig in. I was just in the dark all alone. It was glorious. And I kept going. And then I had this moment of realization where I looked at the pie and I had eaten almost half the pie. I felt immediately guilty. I covered it back up, threw it in the fridge, went to bed without brushing my teeth and covered myself. The next morning, I hear Annie opening the fridge, gasping, and my wife comes to me over the side of the bed and goes, did you, do you know what happened to the pie? I pull the covers down and I go, what pie? <laughs> Eventually I did fess up. I did fess up. But we can all relate to that story, can't we? We're all, there's that moment in our lives where we're faced with this decision, this choice. Do we give in to the temptation? Do we slide that pie onto the counter? Do we slide that thing onto the counter? Or do we close the fridge on our temptation and walk away guilt-free? It's that moment that we have that choice to step into the shadows, to say, I'm gonna give in to this temptation and live in the shadows, or this choice to resist. It's that moment where we have the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, right? The angel's like, don't do it. You know what could happen. It's, gonna not, it's not good for you. Whereas the devil's going, bro, you got this. You do you. Enjoy your life. No one's ever going to find out. It's small. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And most of the time, we give in to the temptation, right? And we end up feeling like Adam and Eve did back at the Garden of Eden when they gave in to the fruit and they ate the fruit. And then what happened next? They ran and hid and cover themselves and feel, have feelings of guilt and shame because they're, they've decided to step into the shadows, to live in the shadows. And when that happens, we get those same feelings, that feeling of shame, the feeling of defeat. And the reason is 
We're not tempted by healthy things, are we? We're never tempted by things that are good for us, rarely. I mean, for some of us, we're not tempted to save more, are we? No, we're tempted to buy more, to go on that vacation, to keep up, right? We're not tempted to eat better. No, for most of us, we're tempted to eat that pie, to eat the maple bacon donut, right? For many of us, we're not tempted to work out more. Man, we're tempted to sleep in and to keep scrolling and scrolling and binge that show and watch that whole season in one night, right? That's our temptation because our brains are wired for the path to least resistance. We want to give in to what feels good, what feeds our egos, what meets our wants and our desires. We are always trying to find comfort in our life because life is so stressful. But then what happens? When we give into the temptation, when we finally decide to step into the shadows, we start deceiving ourselves. And we start saying things like, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, no one's ever going to find out. It's small. It's not going to hurt anyone. And we say things like, oh, I can quit at any moment. I can control it. It doesn't control me. And we end up deceiving ourselves, and yet we still hide it from others. We, we go to this place where we create the shadow version of ourselves. When we choose to live in the shadows, we step into this shadow realm where we say, I'm going to give into my temptation. And instead of choosing the better way, the more healthier way, the way that we know is good for us. And that when we do that, when we choose the, the shadow realm, we end up living a life full of uh, struggle, right? We live a life full of anxiety, a lack of self-confidence, that feeling I mentioned of defeatness, uh, of guilt and shame, because we keep giving into our temptations and we can't ever find peace or contentment or happiness because we're dealing with this internal struggle, this internal war. And many of us end up living, even today, some of you might be living with this, with what psychologists call imposter syndrome, where we wonder, what will people do if they ever find out what I'm doing in the shadows? If they know the temptations I'm struggling with that I keep giving in, what would they think? And so because of that, we walk on eggshells all the time around people hoping they never find out. Oh, and if you're a Christian in the room, if you're a follower of Jesus, aren't we really good at this? Like we are so good at this because we put a mask on. We're like, everything's fine. Everything's perfect. We're called to a higher standard. And we end up putting on a front and living this life where we think we need to hide from people because we're representing God. And if people look at us, they need to say they've got everything together. Richard Foster is an author, and he wrote a book called The Celebration of Discipline. Fantastic book. It's all about the path to spiritual growth. I read it in seminary, and I still reference it today. It is so helpful. But for the specific thing, when it comes to Christians and temptation, here's what he says. We feel that everyone else has advanced so far into holiness that we are isolated and alone in our sin. We cannot bear to reveal our failures and shortcomings to others. He continues, we imagine, get this, that we are the only ones who have not stepped onto the high road to heaven. Ever feel like that? Therefore, we hide ourselves from one another and live in veiled lies and hypocrisy. We create this shadow version of ourselves where we're hiding what we're doing away from everyone else. And so there's this constant battle within us, this constant war. And I want to talk about this battle today. And it's the battle of temptation. This this moment where you have that choice, the choice where you can choose to follow what's God's best for us, if you're a follower of Jesus, and choose to live in his light, or we take the other road, 
and we choose to give into our temptations and step into the shadows where we block the light of God and create a shadow in our lives. Now, before I continue, I want to make sure I can clarify something. Many of us confuse temptation and sin. We put them together, but there's a difference. Many of us think when we are tempted, we've already sinned. And when that happens, we're like, well, I already gave into it. So let me just keep giving into it and create this vicious cycle. But no, that's not the truth. Temptation is not where uh, you are sinning. It's when you give into it that the battle has lost. Temptation is actually where the battle begins. It's where it starts. But we have that moment, that battle of temptation where we say, I'm going to choose to give into it or to live a life of freedom. Uh, Instead of blocking the light of our heavenly father, uh, I'm going to turn to him and live in his freedom instead of living a life of guilt and shame. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at something James says. Because this didn't start with us. This has been a battle for years and years, all the way through the beginning of time, even as we saw with Adam and Eve. And so I want to, James talks all about this battle of temptation and what we can do about it, but more importantly, how, what it looks like in our lives if we keep giving into it. Now, anytime James writes something, I pay attention because he was the brother of Jesus. Can you imagine growing up in the shadow of Jesus? I can just imagine Mary looking at James going, why can't you be more like Jesus? I tell him one thing, something to do one time, and he does it. James, you, it takes you four, five, six times before you actually listen to me. But yet in the end, instead of just living in the shadow of Jesus, he ends up calling his brother, Jesus, his Lord. So anytime he writes something, I'm going to pay attention. Here's what he says about temptation. He starts off with this statement. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So he's setting the record straight. God doesn't tempt anyone. He's not up in heaven going, okay, let me put them in this temptation and see if they disobey me or obey me or they give in. He's not up there trying to mess with you, right? And what James is saying is God doesn't tempt you. He's saying the person who is tempting you, it's actually you. He continues. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away, here it is, by their own evil desire and enticed. James is saying the person who creates the temptation within yourself is your own desires. And many times we blame our temptations in other people, like God, who I just mentioned, or we say things like, well, everyone's doing it. I was pressured into it. Some of us might even say, the devil made me do it. And listen, if you're saying the devil made you do anything, you're giving him way too much power over your life. The devil can tempt you, but really those strong desires come from your own desires. Those temptations come from your own desires. And he's using this language of being lured or enticed, similar to a shiny hook with, a fishing, with bait on it for, uh, for fish. And he's saying temptation lures us to things we know are unhealthy and not good for us. Basically, what James is saying is temptations come from a strong desire. They come from within our own strong desires, from what's in our own hearts, what we desire. And the word he uses when it says desire, he's basically saying uh, it's a longing for, it's a lusting for, it's a craving for. Essentially, it's when you say, I want this thing, I want this feeling so badly. These desires entice us because it's things we don't have. It's things we dwell on, we focus on, and they promise us contentment. They promise us pleasure. They promise us hope. They even promise us satisfaction in our lives. 
And so because of that, it causes us to focus on what we don't have in our life. Let me explain. If, if you have, for many of us, we think that our, not think, our temptations might be something like continually scrolling or binging on that show. We might have a desire or a strong craving for more sex. We might desire uh, what, um, the feeling that substance abuse gives us or even over drinking. It could be power. It could be the desire for, uh, for money, more money. It could even be that we're envious of other people, so we compare ourselves to other people. But to me, and what I've noticed when I sit with people is that's actually the tip of the iceberg. That's not what's actually happening. You need to ask yourself, what is the desire? What is really, what, what I want really? And so for many of us, it could be comfort, could be affection, could be stability. It could be attention, could be achievement, could even be success. And so if I were sitting with you at a coffee shop, here's what I would do. I would look across the table from you and you were trying to figure out what do I do about this temptation? Why do I keep giving in? Why do I keep choosing to step into the shadows? I would sit down with you and I would say, first of all, hey, you know, if you keep doing this, we all know this. Like if you keep living in this, this way of giving into temptation, you could lose your family. You could lose your job, your career, your reputation. You could lose your savings. You could lose your scholarship. You can lose everything. It could ruin your life. But I wouldn't focus there. I would actually sit across from you and I would ask you this question. What's the real desire? Why do you so strongly desire, insert whatever you're tempted by there. What is causing that? What do you want really? Like, why do you want that so Badly, because that's how you find out what the root of your desires are, what you're missing in your life, what you, where you don't feel contentment, where you don't feel satisfaction. So for example, if you and I were talking and, I, and, I, and you were like, I just can't get off the couch. I can't stop scrolling every night. I'm just binging shows. I really just don't know why. And I'm always tempted by that. I would say, okay, where in your life are you lacking satisfaction? You might be feeling like, I'm not happy with where my life is. And so because of that, I'm going to try and check out or I'm going to try and escape. If you are constantly desiring to cheat, maybe to lie your way through things or to cheat, let's make a specific example, cheat on your taxes. It might, you might feel like what I earn is mine and no one else should have it. And so my desire is for stability or my desire is fi- financial stability. If you keep going to pornography, and you keep scrolling on that and looking at that more and more, you might think that that's your true temptation. But really, I would ask you, how's your relationship with your spouse? Are you all, do you feel like you're getting enough affection or or attention from them? For some of us, it might be, I just want a spouse. (laughs) I just want someone. And that might be what you're truly craving and longing after, after. For some of us, it might be, I just want to be in control. And it could be because you feel so out of control with the world or you just feel out of control in your world. And so we've got to figure out what this is and to understand why do we keep giving into this temptation? We've got to understand where the temptation is coming from. Because James continues and he says, if you don't, here's what's going to happen. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. When I read this, I was like, James, aren't you being a little dramatic? (laughs) Aren't you being a little heavy? And he would look at you and he would say, no, 
This is what will happen. If you keep thinking what you're struggling with, what you're dealing with, and you keep giving into it and thinking it's not going to affect anything, it's not going to hurt anyone, it's this little baby sin, it's not going to do anything, it's so cute, right? You play around with it. He's saying eventually it's going to turn into sin because you keep giving into it and you keep focusing on it. But then eventually that sin is no longer going to stay in the shadows. It's going to grow stronger than you can manage it. And in the end, it's going to lead to death. And that's pretty serious. Now, he's not, he's, he's being dramatic, but he's being, he's showing you that this is what sin does. The more you play with it, the more you mess with it, it will eventually lead to death in your life. Because here's what sin does. Sin separates. It separates you from every good thing in your life. It kills you. It ruins reputations. It ruins relationships. There's three things specifically when it comes to, if you keep giving into this temptation, what sin will manifest itself in, in death in your life. The first thing is it'll separate you from other people. Imagine a, uh, a marriage relationship or a, a, you and your spouse, and one spouse constantly just feels like they're not getting enough attention or affection. So they turn to uh, other people for, for affection, or they turn to their phone or um, looking at a screen. And over time, the more they don't keep that in check, they both start drifting apart. And, and, and there creates a gap. And in that gap, you, you used to fill it with trust. You used to fill it with uh, with believing the best, but now you fill it with hatred, anger. Anytime they say something, you jump all over them and just get angry with them. And you don't, you no longer believe the best. You believe the worst. And eventually that could lead to a separation of the relationship or death in the relationship where you're no longer married and it affects you and it affects your family. You could also think about it uh, for friends and family. Uh, you don't continue to offer grace at work. You might start taking more credit for your work and for, for all the work instead of giving away credit. Or even you start lording your power over those you lead. That's how it's sin separates you from other people. And then it also separates you from yourself where you look at yourself and you say, how did I get here? I'm not happy with who I'm becoming. I keep giving into this temptation. And because of that, I live with regret and shame. And you're just constantly dealing with this imposter syndrome. And last but not least, if you're a follower of Jesus in the room, it separates you from your heavenly father. See, here's what temptation is. Temptation is ultimately anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. As followers of Jesus, don't we believe God has our best interests in mind? That he loves us so much and we should turn to him and choose to trust him. But when we start giving into our inclinations and our desires and our temptations... We block his light and create shadows and think we're getting satisfied here. And we try to find satisfaction that we keep going back to because it doesn't truly offer that satisfaction and satisfies, does it? We keep going back and back. And because of that, we start separating ourselves from him where we no longer believe he has grace for us. We don't believe that he's actually forgiven us for our sins, even though he said he did that once and for all on the cross when he sent his son to die for us. And in the end, we might even start believing that we don't believe in him anymore, that he's not even real because we don't feel his presence anymore. And this is why James is using such strong language. He's, he wants us to understand this is serious. We've got to lean into this and understand where do our desires come from because in the end, it will ruin us. This is heavy stuff, isn't it? You're like, man, Raul, you're going in hard. Well, the, the reason is I love you guys. And lately, what I've been seeing, not just in our world, but also in our community, more and more people are giving into their strong desires, into their temptations, and they're wondering where God is. I've had so many conversations, really. 
So before we continue, here's what I want to do. I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you and share what you're hiding in the shadows. Go. Just kidding. Just kidding. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just kidding. How many of y'all just cringed? How many of you just like, oh gosh, Raul, why did you? I cringed asking you. Because why? Because we're afraid, aren't we? We don't want to share that. We, we, don't, we know the ramifications of what, if that stuff comes out, what could happen. That's why we're so scared. But let me tell you, there's hope. Okay, I want to give you some hope today. There is always a way out so you don't have to choose to step into the shadows. And so I want to look at something the apostle Paul says that gives us this hope. And this statement he makes to the believers at the church in Corinth is fascinating to me. In fact, when I was sitting across the table struggling with this same thing, uh, this person said, memorize 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And so I did. And I'm so glad I did. Because every single time now I'm struggling with a temptation, whether it's large or small, I quote this verse. And it reminds me that I don't have to choose to step into the shadows. I can turn and step towards the light, towards my heavenly father who loves me and is for me and has a plan for my life. Here's what Paul says. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And the word overtaken, it reminds us that you don't have to make the choice to give in. It can never overpower you. It does not have that much power over you, that temptation. But many times, don't we let it have that much power? Because it looks good. We want it. And we think it's gonna satisfy us. And essentially what Paul is saying is every temptation is an invitation. It's an invitation to give in or to not. It's an invitation to step into the shadows and give into that feeling of guilt and shame where we feel like we're locked in a prison. But instead, it's an invitation to not fall into the trap. And that's what we need to do. That's what Paul is telling us is recognize it's a trap. We need to recognize that this, in, this temptation is nothing but a trap. It's an enticement. One day uh, when we were in our house, we started noticing something on our kitchen counters. Uh, our food had little nibbles in it and our plastic, you know, when you put stuff in plastic bags like bread and stuff like that, it had a little hole in it. I was like, is that bugs? My wife and I were trying to figure it out. What could that be? That's nasty. Like what is going on? And then one morning I woke up and came down to the kitchen and I flipped on a light and I heard this pitter patter of feet. And I was like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, uh-uh, we got a mouse problem. We got to get rid of this junk. And so I go to Home Depot immediately that morning. I run there and I go, okay, mousetrap, mousetrap. What we got? What we got? What we got? I bought the most expensive one. It's got all the bells and whistles. This thing was this big. It was huge. It had, it took, like on the box, it, I didn't open it up, but it had like on the box, a three-step process of how it captures a mouse. And it says, satisfaction guaranteed. I was like, Sat, what kind of satisfaction? Like the mouse or? Anyways, so I take it and I remember seeing a tail come out by the fridge. So I put it in between the fridge and the cabinet and I leave it there and I go, I got him. So I'm gonna go, I went to bed. The next morning, I checked the trap, nothing, no mouse. I was like, okay, maybe it needs some time to warm up to the giant black box. A week later, still no mouse, okay? Satisfaction guaranteed, guaranteed for how long? You know, well, a year, like how long is it gonna take? So that, that day I was, at, I was talking to my friend Jeff and I was like, dude, I don't know what to do. I, I, this thing, like I bought this mouse trap, it's not working. I need to catch this mouse. He keeps eating our stuff. And he's like, wait, wait, you're using that elaborate black box? Yeah, he goes, grab one of these. Just get one of these. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? He goes, just get this $2 trap. I'm like, no, no, no. it's very visibly a trap. It's not gonna work. He's like, bro, trust me. 
put some peanut butter right here. Said, I'm not going to set it. it uh, they won't let me set it. I'll break my finger. <laughs> they said, set. somebody prayed that I would not set it. That's, <laughs> um, set the trap and just put some peanut butter. You'll be good to go. I was like, there's no way. I was like, whatever. I take it home, put some peanut butter, set the trap, slide it in between the fridge and the cabinet. The next morning, there was a mouse in the trap. I couldn't believe it. I looked at the trap and I'm like, how dumb is that little rodent? I'm like, this is obviously a trap. How do you not see that? And that's when I noticed it didn't matter. The mouse knew it was a trap, but the mouse wanted the peanut butter so badly that it was willing to take the chance. You feel me? We're the same way. We know what we're doing is wrong, don't we? But it's a trap. And we don't care sometimes. Sometimes we're like, we want what we want because it's such a strong desire. It's that longing for, that lusting for, that craving for of what we want is more desirable. That momentary pleasure is more desirable than we know the ramifications if if we take that bite and enter into that trap. And that's what Paul is saying, that every temptation is an invitation. And why is it an invitation? Well, he says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. See, the reason it's a trap is because we think we're the only ones who deal with it. We think we are weak and alone in this. And that's what the enemy wants you to think. We, it's a trap because he's like, no one's going to understand. Don't, you can't, even if you're just tempted by it, you can't talk to anybody about it. And here's what I want to tell you. You're unique, but what you're going through, your temptations aren't. I sit with so many people and it's literally the same story over and over and over. And, the, and, and this trap, this enticement, this temptation wants you to think that. And you're going to call for what it is. You're like, nope, it's a trap. I am not weak. I am not alone. I am strong because I have, the heaven, I have my heavenly father on my side. I've recognized now it's a trap. And then Paul continues. And here's what he says next. All of a sudden, he takes a hard right. He goes, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. See, once you recognize it's a trap, then you need to be reminded, hey, God is with you. You can trust him. He is faithful to help you with this temptation. But many times, if you're like me when I was in high school, when I read this verse, I, feel like, I felt like a terrible Christian. Because in high school, I read this verse, but yet I would still give in to my temptations over and over and over. And I felt terrible because I'm like, beyond what I can bear, he's not gonna give me more than I can handle. That's actually not true. That's not what he's saying. Because if that were true, you wouldn't need God, would you? Instead, he's saying, I am faithful. I am with you. If you turn to me, instead of choosing to step into the shadows, I'm gonna help you overcome that temptation by loaning you my strength. See, we're constantly promised in scripture as followers of Jesus, when you're weak, he promises you to loan you his strength and that will help you oversee, not be overtaken by the temptation, but instead call for what it is. What it is, it's a trap. I can trust God no matter what. And in my weakness, you are strong. But then he continues and it gets even better. Here's how he finishes. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. How comforting is that? That no matter what, God will always give you a way out. You are never alone. You are never on your own. He promises to always be with you and to give you a way out. 
Now, what does that look like? Well, that could look like, uh, it could, for, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, you might feel that feeling inside of you that goes, don't do that. It's that angel. You don't want to do that. And that's the Holy Spirit telling you, hey, you know that's wrong. Don't give into it. Uh, another way he might give you a way out is if you're scrolling and a text comes from your spouse. Or if you're looking at something and a kid walks into the room, you're like, oh gosh, right? He gives you a distraction, whatever that looks like for you. For some of us, it might be a door closing where you're tempted to walk through this and take this opportunity at work with that person, with those friends. And instead, a door might close and it's your decision whether to open that door and continue pursuing that temptation. For some of us, when you have the opportunity to lie or to tell the truth, it's remembering what your grandma said. Honesty is the best policy. And that comes to your mind and reminds you and distracts you and helps you find a way out. Those are all the things your heavenly father uses to help you find a way out. But for some of us, some of us need to make the conscious choice to find the way out through counseling. Some of us need to go to counseling to help us understand, hey, I need help with this and I need to go find a counselor. And that way I can use, God can use that person to help me find a way out. How encouraging is that? That we don't have to do this alone. In fact, we can remember these three things that Paul tells us as we are faced with every temptation. Number one, recognize the trap. Call for what it is. That's a trap. I'm not giving into it. Number two, trust God. You notice that's the next step. Once you recognize it's a trap, you have to trust your heavenly father has a calling on your life and loves you and has a plan for your life and wants what's best for you. And then number three, look for his way out because he will always give you a way out. So instead of, so when you're struggling, not instead of struggling, when you're struggling, because this is something we all deal with on a constant basis, isn't it? This, no one is immune from temptation. We will, you should, your goal is never to be free of temptation. That will not happen as long as we're on this earth. We are human. We will be faced with temptation. But as you struggle through things, instead of choosing to block the light from your heavenly father and step into the shadows, let's recognize the trap. Let's trust God and let's find his way out. So we step into his light away from the temptation. So we don't have that feeling of guilt and shame. So we don't have to find a place. We don't have to keep going to the place and feel like we need to hide and live with imposter syndrome. The best part is if you do this, not only would your relationship with God grow, every time you're faced with a temptation, you'll, be, you'll, you'll find the way out faster and more clearly because you'll trust him more than your own self. And you won't give in to the sin. You'll trust yourself. And, and when that happens, there's so much freedom in your life, isn't there? So here's what I want to do. Before we continue, I want us to say that verse together. I want us to say that verse out loud. And what we're going to do is we're going to change it from second person to first person. And this is so powerful. So let's do this together. Say it with me. You ready? No temptation has overtaken me except what is common to mankind. God is faithful. He will not let me be tempted beyond what I can bear. But when I am tempted, he will also provide a way out so that I can endure it. Doesn't that feel good? And imagine saying that every time you're faced with a temptation, regardless of how big it is or how small it is, because knowing that it starts small. You don't wake up one morning going, I feel like ruining my life today. Yay. Like you don't do that. Instead, it starts with a small little thing. 
And when you say this first and you memorize it and you say it in this way so powerfully, God reminds you that he is faithful and that every trap you face, he's gonna loan you his strength and he's gonna always provide a way out. And so we need to remember every temptation is an invitation. It's a trap and it's a chance to either step into the shadows or step into the light. We just get to make the choice because the thing is we have such strong desires, don't we? What we look at is like this trap. It's so enticing and we see the trap, but what we want is what we want. And that's what sin does. And we know we keep giving into that same thing, but does it actually satisfy you? No, that's why we keep going back to it over and over and over. But yet when we recognize it's a trap and we trust him and we look for his way out, that's where we find freedom. Freedom from imposter syndrome, freedom from feeling that sense of defeat, that anxiety, that guilt, that shame that comes every time we give into our temptations. So when you're in the moment to tell the truth or the lie, when you are faced with the temptation to step into their car, to answer that text, to, to cheat on your taxes, uh, to uh, treat that person that way, to get angry with them, to sleep with that person, Choose to live in the light, not in the shadows. Back to the coffee shop. If I was sitting across from you and we were having this conversation that we just had today, I would look you straight in the eye and I would say, don't do this. You are worth more than the desire for the satisfaction you are trying to find. You are worth more than that sin that could ruin your life. You are worth more than what you keep going back to on your phone, in that bottle, or in that relationship. Because you are too great to give in to the little temptations that will derail you every single time. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna say no temptation has overtaken me. But God is faithful. He will always provide a way out so that we can endure it. We'll recognize the trap. Recognize it's a trap. We'll trust God and we'll look for his way out. And that's where we step into the light and we find freedom instead of living a life where that could lead to death into the separation full of anxiety and grief and shame. No, we are strong over that because we don't have to keep worrying that people will find out of what we're dealing with. And so here's what I want you to do. This week, A, I want you to memorize that verse, but B, I want you to ask yourself this question. The question of what desires are dragging me into the shadows? And I specifically put such strong language. What desires are dragging me into the shadows so that you, are, you can say, okay, what is enticing me? What am I lured by? What do I want really? Why do I keep chasing that thing? Why does this have such a hold on me? And my hope is when you ask yourself that question, you don't stay on the tip of the iceberg, the service level. You find out what do you truly desire? And then you can say the verse and you can call it a trap. You can trust God. And then you can find his way out every single time. And you will not be held down in bondage in that prison any longer. And so we've created a website to help you with this series at hamiltonmillchurch.org shadows. 
there. It's got a Bible reading plan to go along with this. It's got uh, mental health resources as well as counseling resources. And it's got lock screens with 1 Corinthians 10, 13 on it. Man, talk about a distraction. That'll help, right? When every time you pull out your phone, you see that. A way out, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Thanks, Paul, right? Every time, it'll remind you, you don't have to give in. You don't have to give in. Your heavenly father knows what's best for you and has what's best for you. Let's pray. God, thanks for loving us. You are so good that you always give us a way out. And that blows my mind because you don't have to do that. You could just tell us to, to figure it out on our own. But instead, you sent Jesus so we could have a relationship with you and another option to not step into the shadows, to not create a shadow version of ourselves where we hide from people. Instead, we can choose to turn towards you and not give into the trap. So thank you, thank you, thank you for reminding us that we can trust you and that you always provide a way out. Help us this week see that way out every single time. In your son's name we pray, amen.